Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, all about the messages we hear each and every week. How are you? Good to see you, or hear you, or good to have you listening. We're not really hearing you or seeing you, and I'm getting distracted. Uh, I'm Nathan Story. It's good to be back um, asking people to tell us more about uh, this this wonderful thing we have called church and and, uh, and the messages that we hear. But joining me today are Cesar Guerrero. My yes. tried and true compatriot. Hey, buddy. And Nicole Eunice. Hi, Nicole. Hey, hey, guys. What's up? I love to say good to see you, too. All the yeah, time. It's like It was <laughs> like a podcast. knee-jerk thing, and it was like, this makes zero sense. Because t- right now, we, I can see you guys because you're doing this <laughs> right. over Zoom. So it just kind of right. felt natural, and then it's like, wait a second. This doesn't work. I can just imagine our listeners hearing that and being like, where is he? Where Where's the camera been planted? Is he yeah. looking through the window? Or if they're driving, you know, that's even scarier. <laughs> looking over your shoulder like, yeah. how do you know where I am right now? Yeah. yeah. Well, Nicole, it's our pleasure to have you back. This is not your first rodeo with Tell no. Us More. You were on one of the fledgling episodes last year uh, when you spoke for us at, when we were still recording early, early on in COVID. Remember the, the good old days of the COVID? The good old days of COVID. <laughs> when we all uh, thought it was about to be over. You know, we yeah. just kept yeah. living in the, it was like, we thought we were on a roller coaster ride that lasted three minutes. <laughs> Turns out, yeah. lasted yeah. 14 months. Hopefully. Oh my gosh. It was, it's going to be two weeks. What am I going to do in my house for two weeks? I have uh, no yeah. idea. Yes. <laughs> Apparently drive your family crazy and watch everything on Netflix. That's yeah. Like every <laughs> single thing on Netflix. I would like to know the Netflix stats. Like how, how did the Netflix Goodness. downloads and hours per user go? during COVID because I feel like something probably don't you feel like Netflix at some point was like we didn't think any of these shows were good enough to release but we're just going to release them anyway like I think that's basically what happened because they're like we're not filming anything new everything shut down what do we have that we threw in the trash can let's put that out there and then We have Tiger King. I mean, that's yeah. basically what happened. <laughs> yes. oh yeah, Tiger, God. right when everyone was into Tiger King, wow. the good old days. Oh my goodness! Remember those times, year. guys? Wow, the olden days. Oh my goodness! Some good news, the John Krasinski stuff. Everyone was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is this is kind of cool. This is great. Yeah. We're reconnecting through the internet." And then around, then winter hits, and it's just like, "Oh my God!" It's uh, the, yeah. the pit of despair. Um, <laughs> Speaking of 80s movies, I really wanted to open up by singing the Never Ending Story theme song. I want you to. Because you mentioned Can the, you please the Never it? Ending Story. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I mean, you just oh feel it. Goodness. You're like the big book. Guys, I wasn't planning on saying that just for anyone nope. who was there. No, not at all. Okay. I literally so walked up and was like, this is like the Never Ending Story. And I think 80s movies references that. are the best spontaneous references, <laughs> I think. That's funny. <laughs> Well, Nicole was with us at Westlake this past Sunday, uh, speaking about David in the midst of our whole story series, which is where, if you didn't hear it, stop what you're doing, pause the podcast right now, go to our YouTube and, and listen to their sermon so you mm. can catch up on what we're going to talk about this afternoon. Um, and we've been, and the whole story is a, our attempt to go through the major parts uh, of the Bible, the whole story of scripture. And it's been a wonderful experience. And it was great to hear from Nicole. So we're going to get into a conversation about that message on David right now. Are we game? Are we ready to, to yes. tackle this? Let's go. So this was a cool, almost two-parter um, uh, a sermon mini-series within the series. Mm. We had Rachel Toome with us last week. She she began the story of David, talking about some of uh, the young, the earlier days of David's life. And we moved on into one of the biggest blunders of David's 
life here and talking about humility and forgiveness and what it means to be someone after God's own heart. So Nicole, would you would you start by kind of telling us your preparation, how you began to yeah. think about this story? Is this was this one of the first times you've preached on David, the mm. millionth time you've preached on David? How did it feel for you? Well, um, I don't know, you know, my my story, my ministry story and my places of communication are such a different story than like a standard kind of pastor. So I started off as a therapist and then I led a women's, a large women's ministry where I taught and then I did podcasts. And now I actually, I do a, how to study the Bible podcast with life audio every week. And so that's kind of my place where I'm like constantly teaching the Bible. And I, I had just been in David in that Bible series, but for me, I, you know, Something I think is interesting is like the question about, have you preached something before? In my mind, I've never preached something before because mm. I really believe the Bible is alive and I'm different when I approach it than I was the time before. And it's kind of scary in some ways, but I'm built for thrills. Like, because when you go to teach, you're, if, if, if you're wired that way, you're asking, well, what does God have to actually say in this moment, in this time to this audience? It doesn't actually really matter what I've taught before. Um, of course, it's nice to like know historical background and all that stuff, but really my approach to scripture is what does God have to say to this audience today? And so that is no different with this story of David. And really, this was a really um, thrilling <laughs> prep because you know, I believe the Bible is real. And and I think that's really important for people to understand that, you know, Nathan, you use the word blunder. I would use the word tragedy, like life altering tragedy to yeah. the level of like actually what happened. And it wasn't just a mistake. It was an intentional campaign of using and abusing power to the detriment yeah. of multiple people and generations in his family. So like, it's a huge deal. And sometimes I think because we talk about the Bible as story, which it is, we can forget or we can we can fail to like take a minute to say this Bible is story, but it's a true story. Like this is an actual reality. And just because I don't understand fully the context and the culture of the day, we're all human beings and human beings haven't changed it, really. So we're all human. So we don't have to go very far to say, hmm, I wonder what it feel like to be this person or that person or that experience. And it really becomes very weighty. It just, it becomes really weighty. It's not really just a fable with a point at the end. It is real people who are really being human, who are really screwing up. And to step into that and to try to like say something about God or about people with like a 25 minute sermon is, yeah. feels like a big responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing we were discovering through the whole story is that there's so much that even specifically the Old Testament mm -hmm. can have that is relevant to, to our lives today. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. You know, someone who's been in church my entire life, I, you know that and you, you hear those stories and you're like, oh yeah, I can learn from this and that. But really spending the time that we've spent in the Old Testament here at the beginning of 2021 mm -hmm. has, has been remarkable to see yeah. all these threads, not just through scripture, but uh, past scripture uh historic or uh, timeline wise to the modern day mm. and 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 to see that I'm, I'm curious though nicole do you have reading these stories you uh, i love your approach and, and kind of what you're saying mm -hmm. do you have you ever had like a a visceral response not just spiritually and, mm -hmm. and prep but have you had like an emotional response to a story like this mm -hmm. have you ever, I, i'm what i'm getting at is 
should we be angry at David? Like, do, yes. <laughs> if we if we're thinking of this as <laughs> as more than just oh, it's it's yeah, it's a story. But if it's mm-hmm. not just a story, like, is it okay to get angry with someone yeah. from thousands and thousands of years ago? Do you have you ever felt that way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I do. I think it's actually important to have an emotional response because. Okay. God could have given us an encyclopedia, but he gave us a story. And stories Mm. are designed to evoke emotion. Um, Any story. I mean, we can sit here and talk about whatever. Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Like, name a thing that... And we'll all say, like, a character that we love and, like, this moment. and Oh, my gosh, it made me cry when I read that. And so we can easily go there when it goes comes to like fiction narratives, but we have to remember like God could have imparted information any way that he wanted to us. Mm. And he chose story as the primary and prevalent way of communicating through scripture. And so when it comes to teaching a story or like basically the framework that I have in my mind is what are my questions about God? What are my questions about people? And what am I going to do about it? That's my general approach to this. So when I started preparing this message, I was on what are my questions about God? And I'm like, how how do we understand punishment? How do we understand consequences? Because I didn't really, you'll see the sermon went a different direction, but I didn't really get into the full story where I was like, hey guys, like after David did that, he was basically punished. I mean, it was, you know, the sin... The sin deserved death. That's the mm. actual sentence. And we can get into how that's a redemptive narrative about Christ as well. But like yeah, yeah. the actual sin of adultery deserves death. That's the punishment. So he was forgiven of the just consequences of that sin. However, there were consequences for that sin regardless. And so the child that Bathsheba bore died. Mm-hmm. And there's a very interesting time where David is pleading for mercy from God and the child dies and, you know, God doesn't change his mind. And David's servants come to tell him. They don't even want to tell him. They're terrified to tell him because he's so terrifying to them in his penitent mercy. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He's like laying on the floor. And so they're like, nobody wants to come tell David that his kid, has, his child has died. And when they come and tell him, he gets up. He washes his face and he praises God because he's like, God has made his decision. And mm. so we didn't even get into all of that because we're asking, it, it's yeah. so far removed from our experience to ask, really, it takes a while as a Christian. And if you're listening and you're a new follower or you've been a cultural follower, you're just like, I don't know, I'm Christian because my parents were. Yeah. Deeper engagement means asking the questions, what does it mean that God is merciful and just? Mm. What does it mean that there are consequences for sin. How does that look when we understand grace? And so if you listened closely, you heard I just made a quick nod and said, hey, why don't you think of it from Bathsheba's perspective before you decide how you feel about how God approached this? Because we have to remember that there were actual victims and there was a whole kingdom of people who watched David use his power for his own gain he is God's, he is their example of who God is. The Israelite people never want, like God never wanted the Israelites to have a king. They wanted to have a king. They wanted to have a represent, a representative of who God is. So when David was their king, he represented the character of God. Imagine if God had forgiven with no consequences, what that would say about the character of God, about a person, a man who uses and abuses his power to the detriment of, of all these people. Like, 
Do yeah. you want a God like that? I mean, that's so part of it is entering in means asking those questions and seeing from different angles. And if it's not a story, only a story allows us to do that, right? A story yeah. allows us to say, let's imagine this story from the perspective of Uri Uriah's men, this, this loyal, brave warrior who knew what happened. They for sure knew. It was being covered up, but they definitely knew. Yeah. What is the story from their perspective? Okay, what's the story from Bathsheba's sister's perspective? What's the So you start to do that and you, you, you realize, oh, life is more complex. It's not that easy. And mm -hmm. I think that's why we're supposed to have an emotional response to the stories yeah. of scripture. Yeah. And yeah. what's so interesting about this story, and you, you talked about, you know, some of the questions that we, we should approach, you know, the story with, mm -hmm. I think most people new or old, you know, when they, when they, uh, to Christianity or to faith in God, they, they want to ask the question, what, what does God have to say to me in this? And what's mm -hmm. so interesting about the story is I don't remember getting a lot of words from God. Like, it's a lot of people talking to people. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you have Nathan the prophet. You know he's speaking. You know the word of God. But that's a human being, yeah. right? And and what is what do we learn about God in that? Mm -hmm. Like, is there something about God in that, or is it? Because you talk a lot about how God's punishing. God's re God has a reaction to these things, but you're not. It, it seems like a behind closed doors kind of approach like God is doing is like I'm doing this behind the scenes and mm. letting things kind of go where they you, you talked about how there's a, a, a consequence for sin that was going to happen regardless mm -hmm. um yeah can you help us unpack that kind of thing yeah um yeah I think that's a whole another angle right is like and that's a good, it's always a good question of like, how does God, how is God interacting with people? Cause then we can take the step of being like, so what does that mean for my life? And I think one of the ways, another approach to scripture that I think is important to not forget is that all the aspects of the human experience are represented in scripture. So we aren't living in a kingdom with a king but we are living in a power structure that involves people with more power than others, right? And we have like rules of engagement in our country. We can call it a free country. Um, it is free in the way we know it, but that doesn't mean that they, all of these kinds of things and how humans react to power, all of that still is there. And it is interesting that God, you know, uses people, but he uses people to represent his character right of truth and love and what's amazing is that the aspect of who god is is represented by these righteous characters that we talked about abigail confronting david earlier on in his life nathan confronting david in these moments both of them are confronting based on shared understanding of the character of god does that make sense like mm -hmm. caesar we don't know each other well but like if i knew you were stealing like I can represent the character of God in confrontation and truth and love because I don't need to like, I'm not sitting in the judgment seat. We're, but we're all followers together. And so mm -hmm. it is interesting to think about what does that mean in our lives about the way we engage with loving community when it comes to this idea that we're God uses, God gives divine messages through human means, not exclusively, but he certainly mm -hmm. does. And I do think we're in a world of like, no, like, mind your business, don't, you know, mm -hmm. and people use and abuse truth and love all the time. And so it is an interesting conversation to get into, like, how does God call us to that with each other as well? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really powerful thing that you, you drew out in that. And that's quite something that I had 
had realized because what's what is so fascinating and you get into this when you talk a little bit about how david could be a man after god's own heart with Mm -hmm. this egregious thing taking place at his behest Mm -hmm. right um and really i think one of your main points was that you see the humility and because his he is immediately just maybe not immediately but he's he's pretty distraught every time someone calls him out and that really spoke to me in saying wow we really need to be listening to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> because god does that right he puts mm-hmm. those people in 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 place to to be his representatives and that's, mm-hmm. that's such a powerful part of the story i think on the other side of that as i was hearing the story again this weekend i thought about uh being complicit in others mm-hmm. too one I, I thought it was really powerful that you brought up the me too movement one of the things that has struck me about that um and especially it's something a big big old machine like Hollywood for example that's kind of where it started mm-hmm. is is I just was wondering how many people there's a lot of people kind of um, the figureheads of the people have been kind of disgraced and rightly so but how many more people are just were complicit and knew about yeah. all this stuff that are never really going to get their their just desserts um, just because it's so big and I, I wondered uh, in in that same way about the people that David was ordering to go mm-hmm. basically abandon your, like they had to know, right? They right. had to know like, this is probably isn't right, but we have to, it's, it's, it's that seductiveness of power, right? It's that trust right. of, of power, isn't it? That just kind of leads us to say, okay, I guess we're going to do this. Right. Right. And, and I that, mean, that's and, cool. And the, go ahead. And the, the moments that when someone actually stands up to that power mm-hmm. are all the more profound, I think, mm-hmm. because you see um, just the the blind acceptance to the, the mandates of that power in the story mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think what's cool is that for as many stories in scripture with people being complicit, so you can think about Peter at Jesus's betrayal, all the disciples who abandoned Jesus, everybody who's yelled crucified him, all... It, it, there's that. Then you've got, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not worshiping, you know, being in Babylon, not, you've got Joseph and Potiphar stepping yeah. outside. So it's an interesting, like in scripture, again, what is, what does the Bible teach us about humans? In scripture, we have ample experiences of people both being complicit and standing up. And there is this, like, I actually, I'm going to take a slightly different angle. Nathan, you're a dad, right? Yes. Are you a dad? Okay. Um, one of the angles I think is very interesting about. Did humans, you just hear my son screaming in the background? I did is actually hear okay. your son screaming in the background, <laughs> which I liked. But um, absolutely, I, I think that when it comes to like speaking truth and love and understanding, our in it's like we have to understand our own agency. Like mm. most human beings I know, underestimate their own agency in the right proper places, and one of those is like as a parent. Like mm. as a parent. I have all the power to speak life and truth into my children for a period of time. I am the most powerful figure in their life. Does that make sense? My, my, my husband and I. Some of us underestimate our own agency when it comes to the question of whose life am I speaking into? Like if I had a kid, you know, if I'm in my 30s and I had a kid that I was in student ministry with and they were in middle school and, you know, something's going on in their life, am I aware of the fact that I hold such words of power in this person's life, even when they're in their twenties, both for good and for bad to be able to say like, Hey, do you want me to meet with you and talk to you and your girlfriend about your future as much as, or 
I'm, can I just like validate? I see that you're a man who's following after God's heart. We have a lot of agency and power in our relationships that I think we might underestimate because I think a lot of times we're like, well, I don't have all that power. Like I'm not that person who did that. I can't stop that. But I think we actually need to turn around and say, but what can I influence? Like, who am I called to? And where do I have that? Because all of us have power over someone else truly. Like, and when you're the one with less power, you're much less likely to be able to speak in and step up. That's just a general, like these guys in Hollywood, Uriah's platoon, Bathsheba, they don't have that, that the, the level of power that David had makes it almost impossible to stand up. We know it's possible because we see it elsewhere in scripture, but it is very improbable that people stand up for that. So I think we actually have to flip the script and start saying, but who do I have power with? Where is my agency and how am I using that in my life? Because God's given me that to do. Yeah, I love that. And that was uh, one of the kind of three closing ideas that you brought forward mm -hmm. uh, towards the end of the message, right? Mm -hmm. well, first one being priority, right? That we actually, and I love what you said. You said we actually need to lean in mm -hmm. to where we're placed. Yeah, here's a, here's great. an example of me yeah. uh, that maybe is helpful. You know, speaking of the Me Too, me Too movement, okay, priority of leaning in. For me, that's looked like I have an 18-year-old son and we've had conversations where I'm like, hey, can I explain a scenario to you that you might experience in college? Just, I just want to, and I, I mm. want to speak with you directly about what it means to be a man of valor and courage in a situation like that. And do you think my 18 year old wants to talk to me about that? No. Like, do, do you no, think, I, do you think he's like, mom, gosh, like, I'm just so grateful. You know, <laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's not going to receive it. But like, I'm doing my part you know what I mean? Like I'm doing my part with the power that I have to make sure that I'm leaning in with love in a situation that's much bigger than me. I can, cannot control the Me Too movement, but I can try to influence yeah, yeah. in my in my spectrum. So that's what I mean about a priority of leaning in. Because honestly, it feels vulnerable. It feels a little weird. I think a lot of parents, as parents, we just, we lean out. <laughs> We're just like, let's just lean out. Like, I don't want to yeah. deal with that. Um, so leaning in looks like those kind of vulnerable conversations in those spaces with friends, with our students that we influence, whatever, whatever opportunities God might present. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, one of my roles right now is is leading our youth ministry, mm -hmm. and I've been investing a lot with a small group leader with the high school guys, mm -hmm. and we just finished our semester, and we're thinking of what do we do for the summer, and one of my questions is what kind of topics do you want to do, or do you want to mm -hmm. just study the Bible, mm -hmm. and all a good amount of them were like, we just want to talk about what it means to be a man, and mm -hmm. manhood, and um decisions you know what does god want for me mm -hmm. or expect from me as a guy in this world that's those oh, they, they that's said beautiful one of you're them, making yeah. my day yeah one of them said what does it mean to be a guy in the world today i'm like yeah. wow the fact that they're they feel uh well i'm not surprised that that's what they want but i'm surprised by what you were talking about the priority right that they put on me and the other small group leader yeah most they, of us underestimate our exactly. Power. Exactly. Greatly. And underestimate. We may overestimate what we can do in the world and underestimate what we can do in our circle. And I just mm. want to encourage everyone listening to know you have great influence and it's usually with a small amount of people. And so what does it look like to lean in with love as your priority? Like, lo and a lot of times 
there might be confrontation in that love if love is the priority. And sacrifice often looks like loving confrontation when you know the person's not going to receive it well, if that makes sense. Or or loving, courageous conversation. Like whether my son wants to talk about that idea of like, what are you going to do in these scenarios? And he's probably like, of course, mom, I'm going to do the right thing. But now I know like I've used my influence in the way that I can, at least for a moment of somewhat awkward, kind of vulnerable, trying to be courageous conversations, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that um, this this idea kind of led so seamlessly into your second takeaway, mm -hmm. which was practice, not perfection. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we need to be encouraged and reminded of that too, because um, we, we do need to push for priority in our relationships. But mm -hmm. also if you're terrified to do that, mm -hmm. that's okay, because you're not going to be great at it right when you start, right? Mm -hmm. It takes practice. <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> asked someone, anything. I will ask someone yesterday, um, do you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus? And the answer was, um, basically, I'm not sure I'm good. I'm good enough yet for that. And I was like, well, being a disciple means coming to Jesus, hearing his words and practicing them from Luke chapter six. And that's what we talked about on Sunday. I'm like, yeah. all you have to decide is that you're practicing. <laughs> that's all. That's what makes you an athlete. Like if you want to be an, like, if we said like being an athlete means coming to soccer practice, you are now an athlete. All you have to do is come to practice. You don't have to score a goal. You don't have to be the best. You don't even have to be good. You just have to come to practice. And I feel like as Christians, we need to realize being a disciple of Jesus means I show up for practice. That's mm. what it is. And it's not about who's the best on the field or even if I deserve to be on the field. None of us deserve to be on the field. So that levels everything out. Like God's the one who invites us to the field. It's a question of whether you want to show up. That's what it means to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here's a, here's a mega podcast callback. And forgive me, Nicole, for doing this. But <laughs> months ago, before much, way before Aaron left, we were even thinking about sabbatical plans. He was watching The Lord of the Rings uh, with his kids. And mm -hmm. I, I said, at some point in a, in a future podcast, I'm going to bring forth Gandalf and Frodo's conversation where Frodo says he wishes the ring had never come to him. Mm -hmm. and, and Gandalf says, well, so does everyone who's lived to see such evil times. But the mm -hmm. only thing we can do is the best with what we've been given. Mm. And I feel like that's that's what you're saying, right? Get on the field, right? get yeah. in the game. Yeah. And it's like, just take take a, a inventory of what <laughs> you do have influence over mm -hmm. and do the best you can. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's beautiful. That's a beautiful yeah, encouragement. And on the yes. other side of that call coin, back. Yeah, you, <laughs> you did, did it, Nathan. way to go. Way to go, Nathan. <laughs> I told I'm him so I would I, do it. I'm so yeah. glad I set you up for that. You did, um, man, you set me up for that one really well. <laughs> but yeah, and on the other side of that, you talked about the, Nicole overestimating and underestimating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's this. I randomly stumbled across this uh, documentary on Tom Brady, and just his approach. Mm. And he's he's regarded as as the goat, and like mm -hmm. will forever be the best, you know, quarterback probably. Um, but he, the way he thinks and he looks back on his career, he's like, I just took advantage of every opportunity that I got. Mm -hmm. You know, he was drafted like way down the list yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in college he was always competing for his starting position mm. and he randomly you know got this opportunity because of an injury of the other quarterback this starting position as the patriots and you talked about how every opportunity is practiced but mm. the other side of that is you you never know when that next opportunity is kind of that moment where like wow my life changed and and it's kind of like the the catalyst to making 
more opportunities. I mean, not more opportunities, but taking advantage of that next opportunity. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the fun part about practicing when something does click all of a sudden. And you're like, whoa, that just happened. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so encouraging to, to want to see that again and again and again. Um, and there's been multiple times this week where I said to myself, practice, not perfection. Practice, mm-hmm. not. We're, we're painting something. Me, me and my wife were doing this little event we're painting things and it's watercolor so you you have to just layer it on layer it uh-huh. on and, and uh there was a moment where i messed up i was like oh well this is just practice, <laughs> practice. <laughs> and, and just being patient but there's so many opportunities that come our way that we just don't know right that that could be that moment of, of practice where it, it does click yeah and i think like coming out of this sort of message of all the, the many layers, like your watercolors, of things that God can teach us through this story, which is why you can revisit the same stories your entire life and have something new. I think yeah. one of them, my husband and I were talking on the drive home, and he was like, you know, I really, like, the thing about him getting feedback and just immediately responding, like, yeah. <laughs> really just practically, like, what does it look like to be a person who realizes, like, I'm a mess up. And I have people who love me in my life who are going to confront me like on some level. What would it be like to be just a person who's like, you're right, I did sin, thank you. Mm -hmm. Like just like even that engagement, even if it's not in those language, it's not in that language, even Mm -hmm. if it's just at work, even if it's just like recognizing and having the humility to be like, man, I am not gonna do it perfect. And I have the freedom in Christ to just be wrong and to to immediately mm. want to apologize that goes to my children the kids i lead in youth group my my spouse my coworker like the guy that i accidentally cut off in traffic like whatever i have the opportunity to just allow those moments to let me be a practicing christian not a perfect christian and i can close that gap and sort of like remove those defenses one of my friends says defense creates war all defenses create war. And so we can remove the defenses and just, that might just be your only take, that might be your takeaway for the week. And that's a beautiful takeaway. Um, Sometimes there's deep things of God that are revealed through scripture in a moment. Sometimes it's really very, very practical. Like, why am I so defensive whenever anyone brings something up? Maybe I just like, don't wanna be a person like that anymore because David was a man after God's own heart because of the way he, handled confrontation in these Mm. huge mistakes not because he didn't make the mistakes yeah and that that reminds me of something you you touched on a few times i think in your message which is this idea of grace and truth and i really began to think about those things differently as you unpack this story nicole and and they're kind of the two sides of the same coin right we Mm -hmm. need both right we need that grace and that truth Mm -hmm. but they can't we can't have one without the other right 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 and all of us tend to arc one way or the other in our relationships and so even recognizing like without judgment just without condemnation am i a person who's quick to judge am i really quick to size people up am i really quick to dismiss people i probably just am more on that truth seeker side or am i on the side where like i would never confront i totally fear losing someone's approval i don't i'm not actually honest or courageous in in conversations because i'm so terrified that someone won't like me so look look how i made those equally untenable like but (laughs) that's true like we tend to arc one way or the other and so it is even an opportunity to say oh like if i'm over here on the love like this grace side what would it look like for me to take one step of courage to be a little bit more clear even with myself and 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 be okay disappointing someone or 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 
trying to be more clear in conversation. And if I'm over here on the truth telling side, what does it look like to really lean in with love and to have empathy and to yeah. think about what might have brought a person to that place to actually do the work, the mindset work of releasing judgment as my way of viewing the world. And if you're that kind of person, you know that I'm talking to you and it's, I, I understand it totally. But yeah, it's, it's a mindset shift to release that judgment. Yeah. Well, we're kind of already getting there a little bit, but Nicole, before, as we close here, mm -hmm. can you, is there any closing thoughts you would have for us? Any takeaways apart from the three you gave us? Is there anything sure. you would really want us to take out of the story of David? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the same thing I want you to take out of the story of David is what I feel like is my real passion in life, which is that, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That's what it says in scripture. There is never a time where we are meant to passively receive from God's word without allowing it to change us. And if you mm. look over the scope of your life and your Christianity, this isn't about you necessarily doing more good deeds, tithing more money, showing up more Sundays at church, although those things can be very helpful. It's about, are you becoming more loving? Are you becoming more courageous? Are you becoming more compassionate? The life with Christ is designed to actually change and transform us as human beings. And so all the work I do, books, whatever, is all about that idea of like, actually, this is about you becoming more like Christ in every way. And it definitely is going to happen in the way that you think. And it is definitely going to happen in the way you love. That's That should be number one. Number two, that's going on in your life. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Nicole, it's always a pleasure to have you um, at Westlake speaking thank over you. us. I want to thank you for doing that. And thank, thank you, you for unpacking that stuff with us. How can people stay in touch with you or kind of keep scope on, on what you got Absolutely. going on well, um, uh, as we close here? Good timing. Um, good timing on this particular topic that I got to take on at Westlake because I just finished a book, which is a like a primer on healthy relationships called The mm. Miracle Moment. And the idea behind The Miracle Moment is exactly David had a miracle moment. It's not getting it right the first time. It's about what you do after the conflict in the moment, like what happens next in you. So the book is really about building the skills around understanding and acknowledging feelings, really being able to communicate clearly and lovingly and how to have boundaries that allow you to be a person who's safe for others. So mm -hmm. the, um, the book comes out May 18th and we're actually, we have a coaching Great. group. So it's like a chance to kind of be together in community with others who want to put these principles into practice together. And so that is usually a $150 like coaching group that if you buy the book on pre-release, you get to be a part of the group for free. So awesome. um, it's a good time to buy a book. So they mm -hmm. it comes out May yeah. 18th. You can get it wherever books are sold or go to my website, nicoleunis.com slash miracle moment. And all the details are there for you. Okay, great. Well, friends, that is all the time we have today for Tell Us More. I want to thank my guests, Cesar Guerrero and Nicole Eunice, for being here. Thank you, guys. You guys Thanks are delightful. Glad to thank be you. a friend. Thank Hope you. I get to come back. Yes, absolutely. Uh, friends, join us again next week when we ask those who speak over us to tell us more. Goodbye.